to Viva Moms After Dark. Hello, Gladiator Guru. Are you there? Hey. Yes, Badass Buddha. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this fabulous Friday evening with Viva Moms After Dark. That's right, and our fabulous, fabulous producer, Dory DiCarlo, in the background, running the whole thing. <laughs> So happy that she's here, and we're so happy that you are all listening and ready for another fabulous evening with the Badass Buddha and Gladiator Guru. So how was your day today, Gladiator Guru? How was it today? It it, it was very um, (laughs) semi-unproductive. So it's fine. It was successfully unproductive. Oh, my God, I was nodding off. I was nodding off before, like, about an hour ago. I was, like, like head bobbing because I was so tired. I'm like, oh, my God, I got to set my alarm just in case. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I think that when we're always on the go, we, we, we're so hard on ourselves for having unproductive days. But I believe that going forward, they become very productive. The The... When we allow ourselves, but we don't, because in the interim of throughout the day, I kept like yelling at myself. I wasn't whispering loving sweet words to myself. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, no, I wasn't either. But you know, though, I was tired. Like I wasn't feeling very well, and um, I tried very hard to uh, like get past that piece of it. So I did do a few things here and there, but I, I definitely didn't have the energy. Um, and thank goodness I got a little bit of a second win for the show tonight because I was, I'm serious, like I wasn't even kidding when I was said I was head bobbing because um, I just, I haven't been sleeping well. So I was up really early this morning and that's what happens. I sit still finally and then I'm like falling asleep on the couch like an, like an elderly person, you know, like, you know, when, yeah, I see my parents do that, you know, whether it be like sitting on the couch and they're falling asleep. I'm like, Ma, why don't you just go to bed? And, oh, yeah, no, I'll go in a minute. And and that's exactly what I've been doing. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm 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 my mother. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. But, you know, uh, I don't have a problem staying asleep. I have a problem seeing what I'm doing. That's why I get to bed at 2 or 3 o'clock every morning. Because I'm a night owl, and I and in these 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 several weeks of my seasonal sadness, because we're not calling it anything else, um, I've been trying to not do that. And then during the day, I'm I've never been really really at a hundred percent during the day in productivity in anything. It's always when the sun went down, because I'm a moon child. But right. I'm, a, I'm a night owl in that. Now, I don't have a problem getting up in the morning. Well, you know, lately, 
I'd have to set three alarms. Um, but once I once I decide to take my shower and get into bed, I fall asleep like a baby. I, my, once my head hits the pillow, I'm out. But it's the getting there. It's a, it's the it's the coaxing myself to stop what I'm doing and get to bed. Isn't that awful? I need a baby. baby. I no, it's I need a nanny. You're, <laughs> but you're but, but listen, it's not awful because that you know that you're really productive at those hours, you know, like you, um, it, it's like all of a sudden you're just, your spirit is flowing. I'm the, and, and the funny part is, so for those, for everybody listening, uh, Gladiator Guru and I, we're the total opposite. She, like I fall asleep very early. Like this is actually late for me. Usually I'm at, I'm almost, I'm in bed by 930 and sometimes even asleep by 930. And I usually get up. When she is going to sleep, I often get up. And the reason we know this, not, not just because we've talked about this, but because I'll wake up and I'll start thinking about something and I'll start texting her. And she's the only person that I would ever, ever text. Because even if she was asleep, she could care less if I sent a text message. You know, some people get really pissed off about that. And so I would send a text message and she would respond and go, I'm getting ready to go to bed. And I'm like, oh, I just woke up. (laughs) And we have sometimes, sometimes we'll catch each other where she just went to sleep and I'm up. But every so often we'll catch it where she's just getting ready to go to bed. So we'll have a quick little text conversation and then she'll go off to sleep and I'm up for the day. Um, I'm more of my flow is so early in the morning and it, and it's, amazing the stuff that comes in and and I know what you mean and I think it really has a lot to do with the darkness too you know like because when I get up really that early it's very dark out and the house Mm -hmm. is quiet and everybody's uh, asleep even the animals and and I just feel like I have all this this space to just do whatever I want I get up and go in other rooms and move around and you know and it's that's the same thing with you know you your spirit comes out at night um and not that it you know even when you had people in the house but even with you not having people it's still there still could be a flow that is not present during the day but it's present at night for you yeah i believe it's the artist in me too that's when when i make when i paint some of my best pieces um is at at those hours um, between one to three in the morning, uh, but I've always, as far back as I can remember, that's always been my problem. But I'm very functional during the day, no matter how late I go to sleep. There was um, yeah, a couple true. weeks back. Yes, a couple weeks back, I have finally crawled into bed like at four fifteen in the morning to be up to do the Viva show at eight, and you know, and then I'll say I'm going to take a nap after the Viva show, but I don't because then I dilly dally around and make the phone calls that, you know, that's appropriate during the day. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> and then I don't take a nap. If I do take a nap, then it's like, I don't wake up cranky, but then it just keeps me up later at night. So, But you know what? That's life. And I think that when we embrace who we are and, and learn how we do things, that's where we become our best us. And it's like, it, it's, not following the norms of what society deems normal. It's following the norm of you because we're yeah. all so eccentric in our own ways. And a lot yeah. of people don't put oh, yeah, value in that. 
and so so my kids are always know me to to break night, you know, and and then get up and be functional. But you know, I, I haven't been functional whether I'm going to bed late or waking up early. Um, functional in my way. Are things getting done? Absolutely. Are they getting done in the timely fashion they should? Absolutely not. But then I have to respect that my spirit is wounded right now, and I have to nurture it back. And I think that that's, you know, I told, we spoke the other day about how I'm accepting where I'm at in order to, you know, continue down the tunnel towards the light. Because what I've learned is a tip that I, I'm putting in one of the evaluation is that when, that we should feel the feeling but not become the emotion. And that's where depression can get really bad where yeah. we become what it is. Just feel it and, and let it let it pass through like a summer breeze through the, you know, through the branches of the tree you're sitting under. You know, it'll come, yeah. it'll shake up the leaves, and it keeps going, and then everything comes back down. And I think that if we practice more, I, you know, and, and acknowledge it and accept that it's happening and then set it free, we'll, 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 we'll be... Uh, flowing past that gray cloud that's been lingering, you know. But I think that everybody at certain points in their life, they will be going through this. And I think the the secret word we can say is embrace it. Embrace it because your body, your mind, and your spirit are all trying to give you a message, and we're too busy trying to fight it with each. Like we try to stay active with our body so we don't, we don't feel like we're lazy, and then we're trying to be, you know, all this encouraging and happy and joyous with our spirit, and our mind is saying, just sit the fuck down and chill, because that's what you need to do. So that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you know what? It's, that's beautiful, because I think better when we just, we honor ourselves that way. I mean... Listen, you you think I love the idea that I go to bed really early at night, that I fall asleep that early? I mean, I, I used to make fun of people like that. Like, my neighbors used to do that. And, and I would be like, what the heck's wrong with those people? You know, I'd be up till, you know, midnight, you know, 1230, 1 o'clock in the morning. And then I'd get up and, you know, I'd get up around 7 o'clock in the morning, 8 o'clock in the morning. And I, I, that's not me anymore. Like, I, I, don't, I don't do that. And then when I was in chiropractic school, I mean, I used to have really weird hours because I'd go to bed late because I'd be studying. I'd wake up like a few hours later, study, then I'd take a nap and, you know, I was all over the place. And, but I, that's not me anymore. And I would get mad at myself saying, guess, you know what, why am I going to bed this early? This is like ridiculous. Like, you know, maybe I want to stay up and watch a show or something like that. But once I let that go and I said, you know what, I'm getting up, I'm going to bed this early because I love getting up earlier. And then when I embraced that piece and said, no, you know what, it's really nice to be up that early, then I, I felt better about myself, and, and that became my new thing. And and so I honored myself with the way I shifted, and um, and I like it. I, I really, really do. I don't, I don't even, you know, every so often people, like friends and stuff, will make fun of me. They'll be like, oh, my God, you're, you're going to bed already, or they'll text me, and it's it's like 10 o'clock at night and I'll get it the next morning and I'll say, oh, I was already asleep. And they'll be like, what are you kidding me? And I'm like, no, I'm good with that. I mean, it's, it's you it's, should it's be hard. right. But it gets a little challenging when, you know, uh, you're invited over somebody's house and, and there's a party and, you know, because most of my friends stay up very late, but 
yeah, not me. I can't do it. <laughs> That's not working for no, me. No, and you shouldn't. Let me tell you, my husband, may he rest in peace, uh, his bedtime was 11. That's it, 11 o'clock. And let me tell you, I left his ass home plenty of times because I'm like, I'm not going to be home before 10 to tuck you in, so you might as well stay. And <laughs> on our honeymoon, we're on an eight-day cruise, right, to Aruba, the Grand Turks, um, the Dominican Republic, Curaçao. Um, there was somewhere else. So we're on this, my first cruise ever, and it's an eight-day one. Why was he in bed at 11? So I'm roaming the, crew, the, the ship till 2 in the morning by myself, talking to people, sitting, watching shows. And we were so okay with that. And sometimes I would watch him fall asleep, and I'm like, I hate him. Why? Because you know how if you have straight hair, you always want curly hair and vice versa. So although this is who I am, I always, like, would just sit there and say, I wish I could say I'm going to bed early tonight. <laughs> but it's not me. I tried it. It doesn't work. I wake up with my body aching. Yeah. Oh. I can't sleep well. longer than six hours. Well, I i mean, oh, listen, I, I would love to experiment with that. The reason I can't, because, you know, like when light comes in to, through the through the shades, you know, I, I, I wake, I makes, it wakes me up. So I've always wanted to be like, rent a, like a place and say, I'm going to go away for the weekend, just me, you know, kids. And then just let myself sleep as much as I want to. You know, like literally like have everything turned off, off, everything dark, have no idea what time it is, have like don't have my phone next to me and then fall asleep when I fall asleep and then wake up when I'm ready to wake up, like not have any idea. That's happened a couple of times when, you know, I I have those, um, you know, the eye covers, you know, for for sleeping. Every so often Mm -hmm. I'll wear it. I, I don't like to wear it because I get hot, but. Every so often, I'll I'll have it on, and when I do, I I have no clue how light or dark it is out there. So there's been a couple times where I've slept in, and I woke up at like eight, and I was like, oh my god, because that's late for me. And I was like, oh my god, you know that I, I slept in. <laughs> that's my sleeping in is eight o'clock in the morning. And but it was nice at the same time because it was it's it's nice to be able to just let your body do what it needs to do naturally. And if six hours is what you do naturally, that's fantastic because that mm-hmm. so you, it leaves so many hours for you to be productive or not productive. <laughs> yeah, not these last couple of days. Yeah, but, you know, during this seasonal sadness, um, I have been, like, twice I woke up. One was 1045 in the morning, and the other one was 1130 in the morning. And I woke up. I didn't even do my morning yoga on the bed. And I was like, oh, my God, the day's gone. And I was not in any pain. So, dear, at the end of the day, I realized that it was my body that said, no, you're not getting up. Because normally yeah. if I sleep over six hours, my back hurts, my, my arthritis in my hip packs up because I sleep all over the place. I'm like that kid you don't want to sleep with because I'm sideways on the bed. I have a queen-size bed. You know how some people just stick to one side of their bed? Not me. I have eight pillows on my bed. I put them all around me like I'm like queen um, Queen Cleopatra over here. 
And I, so that if I turn to my left, I have all my pillows there. If I turn to my right, I have all my pillows there. And those mornings that I woke up that late, I had no aches and pains. So, you know, that's just, we, you know, we got to listen to to our bodies. We got to listen to, to, you know, all the inner workings of us because they that's where we, we learn all the signs and we learn the history of what's going on with us. So, yeah, yep. I, I didn't feel bad afterwards, but I don't want that to happen. I, I want to um, get over this hump, but I'm not going to pretend I'm over it and rush. You know, I have my good days. There's been a couple of days that I was very productive, um, and today wasn't one of them, I must confess. <laughs> but you've been, though. You know what? You Like, you've been throwing out Viva swag and all kinds of Viva merchandise. So you've been you've been busting your tush. So um, I saw I you know I've seen what you've done. So I think sometimes too we also decide that if we don't have a particular day that we're very productive, then we kind of say, oh well, the whole week was lost. You know, we didn't we weren't productive the whole entire week, and that's not necessarily true. And the best way to to determine it is is to say, uh, hey, you know what, I'm gonna. Let me take a moment here, and I'm going to go day-to-day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and I'm going to go through it, and I'm going to say, what did I do on those days? Like, you you know, you take a, a review of your week to see how productive you were, you know, and also accept the fact that if you weren't as productive. But most of the time, I think we get pleasantly surprised. Like, we, we ended up doing more than we thought we did, you know, when we actually think about it, because sometimes... Like, for instance, and I know we have to introduce um, our first guest in a moment because she's um, Lisa's waiting in the studio, but I, I, you know, I'll make a to-do list. And I know there's some people that say, oh, you should never make a to-do list, whatever. I I do. I have to make, I have to make a reminder list of things that I have to do. And they go, oh, I didn't get to that, those two things, and I can't believe it. And why, you know, I, I, I didn't finish the list. But what I don't do is I don't throw onto the list all these extra things that weren't on the list that I did, you know, like bringing one kid to, to work, um, you know, reading with another kid, um, d- cooking dinner. You know, I don't have any of those on the list. And so I I sit there and I, I make it harder on myself to say, oh, you didn't get that much accomplished today, but I don't take into consideration the things that interrupted me too. So you have to be careful about that. You have to, because we're, we're sometimes really more productive than we give ourselves credit for. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, um I I I was productive where I got out of my own way today. But I wasn't productive other than um going over the chapters and finishing packing up all the merchandise, all the mugs cuz I had to do them specifically. Uh, my pr- productive day was I I read and I watched Netflix. And I'm, I don't feel bad about it. <laughs> I don't. I don't. You know, I don't. I don't. I'm okay with it. So what is Lisa? Let's introduce Lisa. Oh, right. Yes, because it is time. So um, let me introduce our first guest. So Lisa Potter owns a sexy life insurance agency. In fact, that's what 
made me like so attracted to want to get connected with her was how cute is that? Who talks about life insurance that way? So she owns a sexy life insurance agency with almost 200 agents nationwide on her growing team. Lisa and her team specialize in sexy life insurance, life insurance you don't have to die to use. Um, she's mm-hmm. passionate about it and helping her clients create tax-free income leveraging life insurance with no-cost medical living benefits, which are so, so important these days, right? Life insurance has definitely changed over the years, and I was not really aware of this until I actually had a consultation with Lisa on the phone because, or through Zoom because I bought a life insurance policy, term life insurance policy, back when I was 32 years old, no, 33 years old. And, it, you know, I have like 10 more years left, uh, you know, so a little over 10 years left on my, my term policy. And, you know, she was explaining to me, like, all these things that you can do now. And I, I, it was amazing. Like, there's so, many, there's so many different choices now. So it's not just this, you buy term or you buy whole life. But there's so many variations to whole life policies and, 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 and then some. So let's bring Lisa on and let her talk to the tribe and uh, share with what, what she does. And we'll get the conversation going. Lisa, are you in the house? I am. Hi, Lori. How are you? Hey, Lisa. Good. And so I'd like to introduce you to my co-host, uh, Gladiator Guru, um, Lisa. And uh, so... Lisa, go ahead and just tell the tribe, like, how much you love what you do and why, why does this conversation need to happen? Like, why do people need to really, if they don't have life insurance, need to talk to somebody, but if they do, why do they need to revisit it? Okay. Um, Hello, Lisa. Well, Lord. before you start, Lisa, before you start, I'm sorry, I didn't want to interrupt anybody, but welcome, and I'm glad to hear what you're about to say. <laughs> Great, Margarita. Thank you so thank you so much. Mm. Uh, really nice to meet you as well. So, Lori, let me ask you this: Did you before you and I met? Did you think life insurance was sexy? No. Do you think it's sexy now? <laughs> it's definitely sexy now. Uh, it, it it was mind blowing <laughs> the variations to it. But but you make it sexy, Lisa. That's that's oh. it. I mean, I don't know if would have felt that way if I was talking to somebody else. <laughs> okay, well, I, I appreciate that. You know, and I thought about it, and people people don't want to talk about life insurance because, honestly, they just think of it as death insurance, which traditionally, that's what it is. And I thought about that, and I thought, you know what? My life insurance, that the, the company that I work with, is sexy. It's not boring death benefit-only policy. So it's a bit of an oxymoron to think of, of traditional life insurance and sexy. But because if I have to die to use something, I don't think that's very sexy. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, right? So so most mm-hmm. life insurance is not sexy, meaning it's death benefit only. And it, it only pays off if you die. That's and that's traditional life insurance, which actually it's a misnomer, it should be called death insurance. Um because 95% of the policies in the US are death benefit only. Not sexy and you have to die to use them. So our life insurance is sexy for two reasons. Number one, um, because our life insurance includes medical living benefits that you do not have to die to use. So as an example, 
let's say you have a $500,000 life insurance policy. It doesn't matter if it's term or the whole life or index universal life or whatever. If you have a $500,000 life insurance policy and you die, that, the proceeds of that, that $500,000, goes to your beneficiary tax-free, right? Now, right. If, if, you, if you get sick or ill or injured, with most policies, it doesn't matter. You're still just waiting to, for you to die and your beneficiaries can get the money. With our policies, you have living benefits that you don't have to die to use. So as an example, if you became terminally ill, if you had a chronic illness or something comparable to a long-term care need, if you had a critical illness like heart attack, cancer, stroke, um, or if you had a critical injury like a traumatic brain injury or you were paralyzed or anything like that, those would all be reasons that you could accelerate your death benefit while you're alive to accelerate that $500,000 to give you income replacement for any of those, those triggering events. And that's really important because most people don't just die. Most of us will get sick or ill or injured in some way, and the number one cause of, medical, of, uh, of bankruptcies and foreclosures in our country is medical expenses. Yeah, that, that's absolutely so, very true. So this is a safety net, if you will. And, and so that's number one reason that it's sexy. Again, you don't have to die to use it. Now, if you um, – and, and let me mention one other thing, too. The company that I work with, especially during the times that we're in right now, uh, back in 2020 when COVID came on the scene, there were a lot of life insurance companies that were saying, hey, if you're, uh, we are denying claims, anything related to COVID, because it's a pandemic. They were denying claims for first responders. Very sad. And our company came out immediately and said, if you are diagnosed with COVID-19 and it triggers any of our medical living benefits, you are covered. And, and that's because we are committed, and it's almost a crusade, to help people to get medical living benefits. And sometimes that just means upgrading an existing policy. Sometimes it means a new policy. It, it, really, you know, it really depends on what you have already. But I help people to fill holes in their coverage and give them peace of mind. So that's medical living benefits. And, again, uh, life insurance you don't have to die to use. And that's part one. Part two of the sexiness is that a lot of people don't know that a permanent life insurance policy where you have cash value as compared to a term policy, which is just pure insurance, a, a permanent life insurance policy can have cash value and it can be like a Roth IRA on steroids. And uh, there's a reason that the majority of Fortune 500 CEOs use life insurance to build their wealth. They're not putting in mutual funds. But it's not just for the wealthy. It's, just a, it's a very well-kept secret that we want to share with everybody now because there's no reason that the average person can't create a tax-free income stream for retirement under IRS tax code 7702. They're for everybody. Just most people don't know about it. So in contrast to a Roth IRA on steroids where you're building a tax-free income bucket so you don't have to worry about what the tax rate is when you retire with regard to that, if you have an IRA or a 401k, what's your tax rate going to be when you withdraw and retire? I don't know. I don't have a crystal ball. Nobody does, right? But we're pretty clear that tax rates are going up. 
And reality is that we are in a contract with Drunk Uncle Sam with our IRAs and 401ks, and the rules can change at any time, and we don't have a say in it. So if you only have money in taxable investments, how can you really plan for retirement if you don't know what the tax rate's going to be? So insurance is a diversification strategy to create a tax-free income stream for yourself, retirement. So the other thing, too, is we're living longer. I'm, I mean, actuaries, they just changed the – actually, it's the least expensive time now to buy life insurance because they just changed the mortality tables. I'm illustrating people living up to age 120. Well, if you're retiring at 70, are you going to have enough money to live to 120, or are you likely to outlive your, your cash that you have? You'd have wait, to have wait, millions saying, of dollars there's... in the- they're saying that people are listening to, to be 120? <laughs> well, that's what I'm illustrating now. I'm not saying everybody's going to live that long, but, uh, but think about it. We're replacing parts with science, you know. Um, we're going to live a lot longer. That doesn't mean we're going to be more healthy, though. We could live longer, sicker, in which case it's going to cost us even more money. So if you have a life insurance policy with medical living benefits, you don't want to have a term policy that you outlive. You want a permanent policy in place that will protect you for the rest of your life. Right, right, And right, provide tax-free income to you. Um, that's, that's tax-free income. And I just, a lot of people don't even know that it's available to them. I, I take great a pleasure and pride in helping to educate people about what's available. And usually when I met with them and I share this, they're like, why didn't anybody tell me about this? And to be honest, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't that prevalent, you know, 20 years ago, maybe 15 years ago coming on the scene. But now it's readily available. There's really, unless you are, you know, unless health-wise you can't qualify for the medical living benefits, there's really no reason to get a death benefit-only policy if you're healthy. And most people don't even know that's an option. Right, but because that's what I was saying before. It's like it's we're still stuck in the in the mindset of it's you have term and whole life. That's it. This is these are your choices, and that's it. And then any other financial considerations are through other means. You know, when you started to present all the diff, the, <laughs> the variations, and you showed the tables to me, and you you showed the amounts and all this stuff. It was to me. It was I felt like I was talking to like a financial advisor um about <laughs> stock investments like that that's what it reminded me of i was uh, and now there's so so this just adds to it's it's almost like adding to your portfolio by investing in your in a proper life insurance policy for yourself that that's well, that's, that's how I, I look at it well, you know, Lori, and the thing is, I'm not a financial planner. I'm not securities licensed. Uh, I do not put any money in the market. I don't do that. Um, our life insurance, uh, you're, you're protected. You have a zero floor. You can never lose your accumulated cash value. And that's very different. A lot of people, you know, you get to retirement age, and there's no, there's no safety net on your IRA or your 401K. market goes down 30%. You, you can drop or more. So yeah, this is exactly. just a good diversification strategy, but you have to want life insurance. It is a life insurance vehicle, but um, you also um, uh, have to appreciate that it has the medical living benefits that go along with that if you need it. And 
What I love about life insurance is you're creating an instant estate. The day you make your first premium payment, let's say you have a million-dollar policy. You make your first premium payment. If you die the next day after your policy's in place, your beneficiaries are getting that million dollars tax-free. That's amazing. And, 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 and tax-free income in building that gives you an opportunity to also catch up if you're behind in your retirement planning because now you can actually look at that. Like I have a um, – I've got a friend who uh, he's a he's a uh, he's a, a mortgage uh, professional, and he, they're doing very very well in this market right now. And I said to him, I said, Jeff, I said, um, I said we need to chat. And he's like, Lisa, I don't have any kids. I don't have any. I don't care if I leave any money to anybody. I don't need any life insurance. I said, Jeff, and he's a friend of mine. I said, you're talking old school. I said, let's have a different conversation. I said, let me ask you this. I said, how much money would you like every year? tax-free every year in retirement for the rest of your life. He's like, oh, what? I said, Station, right? He's like, I want to have that conversation. I said, right. I said, and then if I tell you the vehicle is life insurance, are you surprised? He said, yeah, I need to learn about that. So, you know, and that's why, Lori, I joke about sexy life insurance because it, it makes people laugh and they want to know what the heck I'm talking about. And that opens a conversation to educate people about what's available to them. And, and as an example, it's not just, again, it's not people that are making a lot of money right now. I have a, um, I've got a, uh, a friend who referred me to her, uh, her sister and her brother-in-law. They're a young family, you know, late 20s. They have kids. Um, they need life insurance, but they need life insurance with medical living benefits as well. So I'm helping them to get term policies set up right now, which we've just done. They have a death benefit in place for their family. They also have medical living benefits that they need that. And then I'm going to help them with a plan that their income grows to get into a permanent policy so they won't be in a position of, of being in their 60s and having a term policy that's about to expire and now they're older and they can't qualify for a policy because of their health changes. All right. Uh, and the other thing, too, I also help families set up kids with college planning. I, it is amazing what you can do. This is all about compounding interest over time. The younger you are, the lower your cost of insurance is. I have grandparents helping out grandkids with, with plans that will help them with college and creating tax-free income for them for their retirement that the kids can take over and pay later on. It's really amazing, but it all starts with, um, with financial education about what's possible and getting that in place early. I, I also help baby boomers that are behind and want to catch up and want to create a tax-free bucket. That's the best part. That's really fun because then they say, wow, I really feel like, um, like I will be able to retire or now I have some control over that and I'm working towards how much tax-free income I'll have for retirement. So. That's very gratifying as well. That's that's fantastic. How how is it to switch? You know, like if you already have a policy in place, like what would somebody have to do to? Um, and first off, would could anybody call you? Like you could work with anybody from any state, and then and then yes, okay, yes. and then yes, I can, so work, how I can it, work across, across the country. Okay. How, how easy is it for somebody to contact you and say, hey, you know what, I, I've had this policy my years. Um, how is it for them to easy to switch to the ones that you recommend? 
Okay. First of all, people are welcome to, and Lori, I'm happy to give my phone number. That's fine. They can call me or text me, and I'm going to have a conversation with people. I mean, Lori, you know how I am. I want to know what your individual goals are, and and it's not a one-size-fits-all. Uh, if you already have a policy in place, if you have a term policy in place, um, we would discuss, you know, what's your health? Can you qualify for a policy at this time? That would be a discussion. And then what are your needs right now? Is a, is a term policy still the right thing for you? Or can we talk about getting you into a permanent policy that you won't outlive? But the main thing is to get you into a policy initially that has medical living benefits. And if you have a term policy in place, once you are able to, uh, to get a medical living benefits policy in place, then you just stop making your term premiums. That's it. Because you, you haven't built any cash value in that. You've just been paying for pure insurance that whole time. Right. Or, or if, it's, the, if it's inexpensive enough and you want to keep that death benefit, then keep that. But just add medical living benefits to your, your insurance portfolio, if you will. Hmm. Gladiator Guru, you have any questions or comments? Uh, well, it also is very interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was listening, and she she touched she touched on a lot of bases. This, you know, especially the people living longer, and, and that was key. What she said, how people can live longer doesn't mean they're gonna live healthy, but that they're gonna live longer, and that that's oh. key because we we do. Uh, go ahead. Well, you know what? Let me let me share another example with you. So I've got um uh. We've got a, a client that um, one of our one of the coverages that we have, one of the riders that we have, is a terminal illness rider. And this woman uh, was a she was a nurse, and she and her husband had had policies. He was diagnosed with uh, terminal kidney cancer. They accelerated the death benefit on their policy, based on the doctor's diagnosis. They said that they had fewer than two years to live, which P.S. is a very robust window. So. With two years, if you can accelerate, you know, 80% of your death benefit on your policy, you've got a big tax-free lump sum payment in your pocket. You have choices. What they did is they said, okay, uh, number one, they both quit their jobs because they did not want the stress of having to to go to work. They didn't have to worry about paying bills because they had that chunk of money in the bank tax-free, right? And they decided they, he did not want to do chemo or radiation. He did not want to do that traditional type of treatment. He wanted to go to Switzerland for some alternative therapy. They accelerated the death benefit on their policy, and, and I, don't, I don't know what their, their amount was. They were not clients of mine. But um, they, let's say they had a million-dollar policy, and maybe they got 800000 or more. I don't know how long their policy had been in place. But they took that money, and they went to Switzerland for alternative therapy, and that was about 10 years ago. And he is still alive today, even though he had a two-year prognosis. Wow. So, so this is a game changer because several things. First of all, they didn't have to go bankrupt. They didn't have to try to go to work. They weren't stressed out about trying to pay bills. They were able to just focus on his convalescing and healing him. And they reduced their stress. They never have to pay back that money, even if you, uh, even if you outlive your two-year prognosis, still your money to keep. So wow. that, that, yeah, I mean, that's amazing. And, and as, as opposed to if you'd had a death benefit only policy, you're basically, you're, you, you could go bankrupt during that time. 
and there's nothing that that policy can help you with other than to your beneficiaries when you die. So that's life wow. insurance you wow. don't have to die to use. I know. Wow. Yeah, where was that life insurance when I needed it? <laughs> well, yeah. you know, I that mean, was it, that's the thing. That, that, that's why it's part of our crusade to share with people. And I hope people are saying, I've never heard of that. that. That's my job, to share with people and let them know what's available. And, and as an aside, too, my father, my father uh, passed away. He died of cancer several years ago. And my, we actually moved in with my brother's house to take care of my dad till he died. Very close family. And uh, my dad had a long-term care policy. It was not a life insurance policy, though. And we elected to take care of him. He did not go into a skilled nursing facility. Well, when he died, the long-term care company just kept that money. If he'd had a life insurance policy with that chronic illness slash long-term care type rider, it would have paid out for him in one of two ways. So... It's just about having options available if you need them so that you are not wiping yourself and your family out financially and adding to the whole stress of the, the prospect of their losing you as well. Yeah, that's a, and that's a big thing. And, and I, again, the, the lesson here really is, is that, you know, for those of you, for the tribe that are listening, you know, if you have a life insurance policy or even if you don't have a life insurance policy, this is the time to really investigate and find out because they are not, they're not what they used to be. And, you know, like I said, I mean, I've had one since I was uh, 32, 33 years old, and now I'm 51. And so I, I was totally dumbfounded with the options that Lisa presented to me because I had no idea that that was all available. I mean, at last time I checked, it was this or that, and that, and then the whole life would just you would gain money every year, and then after a certain point you can take the money out or whatever. But you know, having parents that are um, older, and having mm-hmm. my my dad, you know, became ill in uh, in May. He he ended up getting COVID um, after he had gotten his second vaccine. He got COVID, and he he my dad will be 88 this year, so it. You know, luckily he got through it and, and he, you know, it just, but it, it, it really took him out. We ended up having to get home health care for him. Um, my mother and I were doing a lot, but we, did, we needed the additional support. And, you know, luckily for them, they had uh, their, their, their health insurance covered a lot, plus they, they've, they've saved money. But now they don't have any type of, uh, you know, long-term care. My dad also has uh, dementia. He's, he's like mild to moderate dementia. My, my father could live another 10 years. Who knows? And it, if he declines cognitively, it's, it's going to become harder and harder and harder. And so, you know, they, they have, I, I don't you know, actually, I think, I think they have a life insurance. I don't even know. Um, but even if they did, it's, it's old school. I know them they would not have had any of the things that you're offering now. So this is something that you don't want to put off. You don't want to say, oh, it's, it's not time. I'm, you know, I have, I have time. Or if you have 
adult children, if you're listening, you have adult children, encourage them to to in, investigate this. You know, it doesn't hurt to, to set something up with you, right? There's no cost to set something up with you for, for a consultation. Right? There's no cost. Yeah, I, yeah, if you can, um, I would like to talk to my son about getting it, and my son and my daughter, because this sounds great for them to have for my grandchildren. Lisa, are you still on? Is she still there? <laughs> She's live. Her mic, mic is live, but I'm not hearing her. I don't know what happened. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not hearing her either. Let's see. Can you hear me? Can you hear Lisa, me? Are you back? Yeah. I'm here. Ah. Okay. That was weird. Oh, I, I don't know what happened. I didn't change anything. That's all right. No, but technology you know is so is awesome when it works. <laughs> So I'm going to tell you a story that's kind of sad. Number one, do not wait. If you want, if you want me to take a look at what you have, first of all, if you're in great stead, you know, if it, if it prompts people at least to pull out their policy and find out what they have, because you probably stuffed it in a drawer and you don't even know what you have, beautiful. At least, at least then you know what's available to you right now. But if you're still healthy and you don't have medical living benefits or you don't have a tax-free income, I'm happy to chat with you. The main thing is, if you're healthy and you can qualify for it now, do it now. I have a friend who, this happened about a month ago. He was going on a vacation uh, anniversary trip with his wife. And I said, Greg, he said, Lisa, I don't have any life insurance. I do want something with medical living benefits. I need that. Um, I do want to get that in place. My term just expired or whatever it was. I'm like, okay. I said, can you, can you do that before you head on your anniversary trip? Busy with work. I said, Greg, are you sure? He said, yeah. He said, we're going to take the RV and we're going to head out and be gone for a few weeks and I'll, uh, we'll connect when I get back. I didn't hear from him for a while. That was kind of odd because he's usually, you know, gets right back to me. And I said, I said, hey, I said, you take an extended vacation on your anniversary? Or he said, no. He said, uh, I got COVID on my anniversary. I said, oh, no. Um, I didn't hear from him again for a while. The next message I got from him was his wife texting on the phone telling me that he had passed in the hospital from COVID. So, wow. It's, you know, the thing is, don't kick the can down the road when it comes to this because you are creating an instant estate for yourself and your family by getting that policy in place. And... Um, Many sad stories about people that procrastinated, and it can really, really bite you oh, and your family. Well, actually, that, and that's actually what happened to me with my first marriage. My first marriage, I had started practicing. We were going to take over a, a, a – we were going to buy a practice. We were both chiropractors. And one of my patients happened to be uh, an insurance guy, and he and I were discussing life insurance. And I said, yep, that sounds great. We'll sign us up for policies. And so we got all the paperwork. We, fill, you know, I filled my end out, and I said to my husband, "Can you go ahead and fill this out? Like, you got to fill this out. You got to sign it. Blah blah blah. We have to take, you know, get the blood work." So he he filled it out, but he kept procrastinating on the blood work. So this was like, uh, well, whatever it was, right? So he kept procrastinating, procrastinating, procrastinating. Almost a year, like it, it, it ended up. It would have been. It would have been a year, but he ends up getting not feeling well, not feeling well, back and forth to the hospital, trying to figure out a diagnosis, gets diagnosed with brain cancer, and then three months later dies. 
And I got left with, I was a 30-year-old widow with an exuberant amount of bills that took me years to, to pay off, a house that was in complete disarray because he had never finished it. It was a fixer-upper. And it was such a mess. Like it was having to just deal with all that anyway. But then, and, and I remember saying to myself, my God, if he had just done that, like I had asked him, I told him to do it and he just kept pushing it off. And all all he needed to do was just get the blood work and, and he, he didn't do it. And so that's, it's the same kind of scenario as, as that with the, um, with that guy, with his friend. Yep. Yep. Well, okay. How could how could people get in touch with you, Lisa, and set up a consultation with you? Well, first of all, I'm happy to do that with people. I would have a conversation with them and ask them, you know, what are they doing right now? What do they have right now? What are their goals? And again, I'm not a, not a financial planner. I'm a specialist in life insurance. You don't have to die to use, and that includes me- medical living benefits at no additional cost on the riders, and and prospectively tax free income. I can help you with that as well. So. Um, I know we're radio, so I'm happy to give my, my phone number out if, if people want to text me or call me. And I'll set up a time to Zoom with you and get to know each other, find out what your goals are and how I can help you. And if I can't help you, um, I'll be honest with you about that. If I have a suggestion for something else, then I'll, I'll share that with you. Um, I can also give my email out if people would prefer that. Lori, what do you think is, uh, what do you think is better for, for your show? Give out both. Both? Give out what, as many ways as you okay. can. Yep. Okay, great. Yeah, so my phone number is 602. 435-3130, and text or phone call is fine. And what I would probably do is then at that point I would schedule a Zoom call with you and uh, or a phone call, whatever you prefer initially, and just, and just talk about that a little bit and see, see what you're looking for and, and find out what you need, what problem you would like to solve, and to see if I can help you to solve that problem. It's not a one-size-fits-all. So, and then my email is Lisa Potter mail, M-A-I-L, at gmail.com, lisapottermail at gmail.com. So either one of those is fine. And um, if you have loved ones that you think need to talk to me as well, I'm happy to do that too. I get a lot of referrals uh, from family and friends and clients. Um, that's mostly how I do business and because they know how I am and how I treat them and the respect I, uh, I afford to them. And I'm, you're my client for life. I'm not just writing a policy for you and then wishing you luck because life is fluid and things change. And uh, I want to help you and and grow, help you to grow uh, with the plan that we create. That's fantastic. Well, wonderful. (laughs) So tribe, you got phone number mail. And uh, this is something, you know, listen, it it doesn't hurt to find out, you know, there's no obligation to find out. But you will be nope. very pleasantly enlightened for sure once you speak with, with Lisa. And she knows her stuff. That's the other thing that impressed me ter- tremendously about Lisa is that she really, really knows her stuff, and uh, she presents it to you, and you can uh, you can see it right in front of you. That's why the Zoom call is the best. And she will really hear what you're saying, and what you, and, and she will give the best recommendation for what she believes you need. Thank well, you, Lisa, hey. for coming on site. We really appreciate it. And Lisa's also Lori. going to be on our morning show as well. Yeah. Lori, thank yes, you very much. Yes, thank you. Um, Gladiator Guru, um, very nice to meet you as well. And 
And just so you know, initially, I would, have a, phone call, I would have a phone call or a Zoom call with people, uh, see what their goals are, and then ultimately I would illustrate, if it feels like a good fit, I would illustrate a policy for you so you can see how it might work if you had a uh, sexy life insurance policy. Fabulous. Awesome. Great. Well, thank you, Lisa, for coming on, and we, you know, just have a fabulous weekend. But and then we'll see you again in, uh, I believe it's it's uh, this month, right? We you're going to be on the morning show this month, so everybody will see you again. If and if so, if you missed anything, if and you want to, you know, hear more about Lisa and what she can do, then you can also check out the morning show or re-listen to the to the Blog Talk Radio uh, Word of Mom. Great. Podcast. Great, ladies. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate the the opportunity to share. And again, this is my crusade. I want to share this with many people as possible. Um, I don't want it to be a surprise to people. That's that's my goal in the future to have everybody know about this. So fabulous. Great. All right. Thanks, yes. Lisa. Take care. Thank Thanks, you. Ladies. Have a good night. So that was pretty good, right? You know, you could tell she really knows her stuff. I mean, I know because I've. Uh, I've already had a consultation with her, and or she likes to call them conversations, which is lovely. Um, she's the stuff, the information that she presented to me, so thorough, um, all broken down, you know, multiple choices, and but she right, I mean, glad you were. She really, you could tell she really yes. knows her stuff. Very, very passionate about what she does. That's the word I was going to use. She's very passionate and. And the stories. See, stories are important to be told when you when you're selling something. The the true stories, real life stories, also help because you never know where somebody's at or what they went through. And that it, that is good Correct. to know. I mean, life insurance for many people isn't an option, or they think it's just something that that they're um, that's not for them. Because you know the whatever pot was there, whatever um, pay scale they're at, but I think that we should all be able to have a policy. He, we got a policy after he had ALS. We we only were able to get a small one. We only got a fifteen thousand dollars. Right. That that's what I was just about to say. I think we don't really have it in our radar a lot of times until it's too late or it's too expensive. And, you know, I, that's one thing that's so interesting with me because I, for some odd reason, jumped right on it when I, even before, like when I was, when I was married the first time and just, we didn't have children or anything. And I guess it was the conversation with the patient that struck me. I'm like, oh, okay, that sounds good. And my policy was very inexpensive because I was in my twenties, you know, and I was in perfect health. But once I had, uh, and I, I think that one lapsed because I just stopped paying it. And, you know, after he passed away, I, I, I was so in debt up to my eyeballs that it was, um, you'd have to pick and choose, you know, what you were going to pay. So when I took out the other policy, I had already, I think I was pregnant with my, um, my now 17-year-old. And I said, because just in case, that's, that's, how I, that's how I always looked at it. Like, just in case something happens to me, I can leave my child with something, you know. And so I had the um, the hindsight to do that back then. So now I'm in a pretty good situation where I can easily transfer and, and shift what I have. Um, and because I'm still in, you know, very good health, 
the premiums would be low, you know, and, but, and she's right. You know, I, you can't wait too long because as we age, there are greater risks at getting things and, you know, and, and our health declining. And sometimes without our knowledge, like we might say we feel pretty good, but then, you know, you go to get the blood work done and they're like, well, that's all a little wonky. Like what's going on with that? So, we, it, it is something that needs to be discussed um, and not put off. So it really doesn't matter what your age is. I don't care if you think you're in your 20s, your 30s, because we are living a lot longer and our quality of life isn't necessarily better in those years that we're living longer. I know. It's kind of scary. Um, like for my... For me, you know, right now I'm just entering adulthood. <laughs> no, so I have. <laughs> Here I'm entering adulthood at at 53, right? Because of the 10 years that I spent um, caregiver and successfully unemployed because my full time job was caregiving. And so now I'm starting from from zero, and I have to, like, catch my footing so I can leave a policy so that my kids won't have to worry about me when I'm, you know, when I can't do for myself anymore. It's, it's you know, every time we celebrate a birthday, we're, ah, happy birthday. No, it's a sad event. It's one year less in our life. Well, you're a real Debbie Downer. I don't. I don't want to celebrate. <laughs> blow out those candles, lady, because you're going to blow away one more year. <laughs> and I need to celebrate all month. Like the well, well, this year it's gonna. You know, and ever since I got married, my birthday. My husband chose to get married on my birthday. I think he did it on purpose because I always made a big deal about my birthday because, you know, when I was born, my birthday is always celebrated with Thanksgiving. Correct. And I would I would celebrate on November's my month, you know. And and then he's like, well, let's get married here because we already booked the cruise for this date. So this is the last Saturday before the cruise. We might as well use the cruise as a honeymoon because we had set the cruise before – we, you know, set a, a, a date for the wedding. So I, I went along with it, and I, I wasn't happy. I was like, how are you going to, like, then that's not only going to be my day. And So now this year, as I turned 53, I would have been celebrating 11 years of marriage on the same day. So um, this year I just want to do something different, just myself. I don't want to gather with family on Thanksgiving. It's it's not the same like it used to be in the past anyway. Um, and just do something different and walk with mm. my shadow and enjoy it to um, think about a policy. Like this lady has me thinking now. Thank you, Lisa. <laughs> yeah. No, no, and and it, and she is good, you know. Like um, she, she'll break it down, and then she'll she'll work it so that you can 
it's going to be at the at, at what you can afford. I mean, there's the the recommendations that she would make and say this is the absolute like the Cadillac of life insurances, and then okay, maybe if you're if you're just starting off and or restarting your life and you know, money's tight or whatever, then this is you know we can go this just this, this direction. But either way, it it doesn't hurt to at least have the conversation, right? And then you get that that conversation going and and then you know where you where you stand at that point. So um, now we're going to shift our conversation because our next guests are ready to go. So let me give a little intro to our fabulous guests. And uh, let me tell you how, how, how well um, prepared our guests are because she, she sent Jackie sent a cheat sheet for the conversation, which is absolutely fabulous. So, um, and I love it because, listen, this is the best part. So Lisa was spot on. She just kept going on, doing her thing, talking. And prior to us getting on tonight for the show, Gladiator Guru and I were talking, and both of us have not been feeling really too well today, which is part of the reason why we weren't very productive. And both of us were exhausted. And we thought to ourselves, oh, gosh, you know, hopefully the the guests will really carry the show because we didn't know how much energy we were going to have. We never know. You know, like for me, I really didn't even expect to have this much energy. So, um, so it was fabulous that Lisa was so talkative because it gives us a chance to sort of um, take a breath, you know, catch ourselves. So I have a feeling that our next two guests are going to be uh, just as gracious for us so to be able to offer that. So, all right. So let me introduce, um, let's see, I'm finding my, uh, so we have two fabulous guests. We have Societal Suriano Ambro and her fabulous mother, Jackie Ambro. Um, they are a couple of joy gypsies on a transformation road trip. Jackie is an applied anthropologist and certified hypnotherapist as well as a shamanic practitioner. She and Sojital I know, right? She would be would like that. So she and Sojital are a mother daughter duo, full time RVers, musicians, and culture change agents. They create online workshops, courses, and even have a YouTube channel, Joy Gypsies T V. Uh, where you can learn more about them, uh, what they offer at transformationroadtrip.com, and, and we'll we'll give that uh, that uh, website out again. And so let's welcome Jackie and Societal on to the conversation. You ladies there? Hello. Hey, ladies. Yeah. We are here. We are present and accounted for. <laughs> Thank you so yeah. much. Thank so, you so Jackie, much. You've met me before, so I'm going to introduce you to Margarita, um, the gladiator guru. And, uh, you you know, I think, Jackie, uh, I think you and uh, gladiator guru would have a fabulous conversation with uh, just the fact that you're both healers and, uh, you know, spiritual you know, spiritual guides. I mean, she's a spiritual healer for sure. But I just, I, and I, 
I think all of us would have a fabulous conversation anyway. So I think tonight's conversation is going to be wonderful. We're looking forward well, to it. I have the same same feeling, and and um, I keep wanting to shift into Spanish with Margarita, but I will uh, avoid that a little bit so that our English speaking listeners will be able to follow oh everything. That's right. Es un es un gran gusto conocerte, Margarita. Ay, igual, igual, igual. So, are you Spanish? No, um, that would take another whole show to explain uh, my path and how I got to be a Spanish speaker um, and uh, interpreter, and, and I ran a language services company for almost 20 years um, in 40 languages. I did Spanish only, though, for interpreting. Um, oh, but, I yeah, and that. her daughter I'm, ended up half Mexican. <laughs> Yeah. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Well, listen. My mom is, uh, was Italian, and my father yes. was Puerto Rican, and she, they, he didn't speak English. He didn't speak Spanish. So we were taught Spanglish, and because she was <laughs> learning Spanish, she didn't teach us Italian. And went. And when people say, oh, Gina, you're Spanish, she'll say, only by injection. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's a great response. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, and, and what that really brings to mind is, is what our topic is tonight about culture and kind of getting into identity and, and the idea of self and particularly separate self. Uh, and so are you guys ready to dig in and, and uh, oh, yeah. go, yes. go so on? Let's, let's, it. let's go, right go down the it. rabbit hole. Get out in the weeds. Yeah. Good. And, all right. Well, I, I'm going to kind of start things off and give a little structure to what we're talking about because as an anthropologist, I'm, I'm looking at what human beings do that adapts to the environment and helps to answer life's most persistent questions. You know, death. Why is there suffering? Why do we need life insurance um, and death benefits and living benefits? Um, what, what about language? You know, that, that's all, all part of it too. So human beings created everything that we see that isn't part of the natural world out of our imaginations to survive and to answer life's most persistent questions. I think of Guy Noir on, you know, National Public Radio. <laughs> um, but the thing is, we, we, we've, come, we've made all this stuff up, and then we accept it as just what is. And yet it, it grew out of somebody's imagination, and they sold it to the people around them as, you know, this is how we should do things. And then, you know, this is how we should dress. This is what our clothes should look like. This is what our food should be like. This is what our, you know, uh, our institutions should be like. And it just kind of grew and grew and grew from one imagination to the next with people accepting things as, well, this is what I was born into. And this, I guess this is just how it is. So you throw into that mix 
how people think of themselves as a self, as, you know, who am I? So we have that big question that culture tries to tell us, we, we, society tries to tell us who we are. From the time we're born, we're told, well, you're a girl, you're a boy, uh, you, you like blue, you like pink, whatever. You know, that we get, are told these things. And in Western culture, we have this idea of self as a set of boundaries that you don't cross. Because if you let anybody cross your boundaries, you're unhealthy and you're dysfunctional. That is kind of how we define mental health to a large extent in this culture. But in Eastern philosophy or Eastern culture, this, the concept of self is based much more on the idea of a core, that there's, there's a part of you that's unchangeable that's at your center, and you can step from that into different roles and play those roles to the hilt, even if you don't particularly like them or agree with them, you perform them, um, and you come back to the core of who you are, and those, playing those roles doesn't necessarily change who you're yourself, you know, that, that core self. And one of the things I would argue is we kind of need both definitions of self to have a healthy way forward. Because now we're going to talk a little bit about what is this idea of separate self. And, you know, you all have done yoga and you, you've practiced mindfulness, you've, you've practiced meditation. You understand that, you know, a lot of that, the goal is to get to a place of enlightenment, which is really about realizing that you're one with everything, that, that your inner being is true self. Or, you know, with a Correct. capital T, right? And that's the goal. And guess what? Look around the culture today. We've got mindfulness being practiced in businesses and corporations, meditation being taught sometimes in school, you know, and, and certainly at corporate retreats. It's kind of amazing how far we've come because that used to be just, you know, new age nonsense. And now people are like, gee, I think maybe to get rid of some of this stress, we need to be in mindfulness practices and we need to meditate. And But there's a problem with this goal of reaching true self where we meld and become one with all that is. Not that we shouldn't do that, but it's not the end. And that getting to that state of oneness will do wonders for our blood pressure and compassion, but it doesn't get us to the next step. So um, before we get to that place, though, we need to talk a little bit about this idea of separate self. And the best way to understand it, I think, is when we are in the world of the five senses and we're relying entirely on what we can see, hear, um, observe, and what society tells us is real, and, and particularly in Western culture here, that uh, we, we only deal with what's real. And we say that what's real is the world of the five senses. And that means that, well, there's no way that I could be, you know, connected with that person, that homeless person over there pushing that shopping cart. Uh, that's, you know, it's too bad for them. That's their lot in life, I guess. And, 
and uh, God bless them, maybe I'll make a donation, but I need to go on with my day because I'm late, <laughs> right? And we don't really see the other person as connected to us or our, the, the products that we consume and the footprint carbon-wise that we make until somebody's measuring it and saying, see, this is how it's connected to, your, your consuming habits are connected to this pollution, but it's really hard for the human mind to gra- grasp those interconnections, it, especially if they aren't right in our face um, when we're just trying to get through our day and we're tired and, and but, maybe we didn't sleep well last night, right? But Jackie, like... It- don't you don't you agree that the that our society has created that separation? Like I think I think they've they've done it purposefully to where they've they've uh, taught us how to separate ourselves from other things. You know, like I've I've watched over the last couple of decades this massive uh, focus on you know whether it's media or government. To focus on whether it's obvious or not so obvious dehumanization and in, in mm-hmm. other words like this making teaching us how to disconnect from other people because that's the best way to control because if if you yep. if you dehumanize somebody it's much easier to hate them to be violent towards them to dis- disregard them but if you if you connect with them then it's that it's impossible. It's like when you brought up the the point of the homeless individual. When we separate ourselves from that that individual, then it's much easier to write them off, to just to brush them off. But right. when you if if all of a sudden you stop and and you happen to touch the person on the shoulder and they turn around, it was somebody you knew. That's a mm-hmm. game changer. And all of a sudden that's there's right. a huge shift, right? Huge mind shift. So. It's been a it's been a systematic thing over the years, and do you do you believe that we're the powers that be? Like there are other people that are becoming more enlightened, more centered self that are bringing us back to the connection. Yes, and yes, and yes, because it is a systematic exploitation of of an unenlightened human experience to say that, well, (laughs) we're going to really get in the weeds now. You know, Charles Darwin, the guy who wrote on the origin of species, he's the one who kind of put out there the whole theory of evolution, went to the Galapagos Islands, noticed all these animals and went, wow, there must be a relation and and these these animals and, and we have all developed through evolution. And you know, he's been pinned with... Uh, the idea of competition and survival of the fittest as the way evolution works. Isn't that what you believe too? Isn't that what you've heard? True. Uh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. He didn't say that. Do you know what Charles Darwin actually studied before he wrote on the origin of species? He studied human emotion and bonding. Human emotion and bonding, because he had trouble with his parents and his love life and his family generally, and he just didn't understand why things were so hard in relationships. 
And so he, so he studied he, emotion. Huh? Like Carl Jung? No, well, no, not quite like Carl Jung. Carl Jung then, he, he came later and was more into, um, he was more into archetypes and the subconscious mind and the collective consciousness. But uh, the, the point I'm trying to make about Charles Darwin is that he actually, by the time he died, his conclusion was that humanity's greatest adaptation, in other words, the best survival strategy we had, was cooperation. And in his writing, somebody actually counted up the number of times he used the word love, and it was like 90-something times that that word appears in his writings. The person who came up with the phrase survival of the fittest was Herbert Spencer. And there was another guy named Alfred Northhead Wallace who was a contemporary of Herbert Spencer and Charles Darwin, and he was competing with Darwin to try to rush his own version of evolution out to the public. But Darwin, you know, basically beat him. And uh, Wallace then was pushing Darwin's work to back up his own. But both Wallace and Spencer were really focused on competition, survival of the fittest, dog eat dog. That is the way of nature. That's natural law. And so that got <laughs> that got taken into our culture, hook, line, and sinker. Why? Because it exploited the human experience of, well, am I even really related to those people over there who I don't know, who don't look like me, and who don't have the, the, the privileges I have, or speak the same language, or whatever? Um, because you're right. They, they, the powers that be were doing the thing that the powers that be do, consolidating power by dividing and conquering. No, no different than Augustus Caesar back in ancient Rome. And so the, this, this weakness of our culture of this notion of separate self was exploited and then driven even further by consumerism to get people to buy using their pain points and their, their sense of lack and their, their, their disconnection with other people, you know, to fill the void of the, the love they weren't getting, right? Um, that's, that's the problem with separate self. It doesn't work for us because it is what allows democracy to fall. It is what allows the powerful to divide and conquer. It is what allows us to turn away when we're destroying our planet or when we're letting other people starve or not have the basics that they need. This idea that we're separate and they are the other, and if they're not in our in-group, then it's dog-eat-dog, survival of the fittest, and we need to you know, do, you know, get our biggest piece of the pie we can, and if there's not enough left over for them, too bad. You know, that is the illness um, that we're, we're in, and, and some have called that a global intimacy disorder because at its heart, it is the inability to relate to other beings, and not just human beings, but the other beings on the planet because we've got animals and plants and this whole ecosystem that's interconnected. So separate isn't working for us. Right. 
Right. I like that you want I to like say that. Global intimacy disorder. Right. I think that's right. spot on. Yep. So we're suffering from a global intimacy disorder based on this idea that we're all separate selves and it's all about survival of the fittest and there isn't enough. So we have lack mentality, you know, this 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 uh, belief that there won't be enough food, there won't be enough whatever for, for everyone to have the basics met. And it's destroying us and the planet because it drives well, us that, to consume more than we need, too. That lack mentality goes that lack mentality goes so deep as to not just be that there isn't enough out there. It's internalized to be the belief that right. I am not enough. And if I am not enough, then I cannot make a difference and I am powerless. That's how extreme Resignation. that belief system is. And it's the belief mm-hmm. system that has created so much suffering on our planet and the experience of suffering within ourselves. Mm -hmm. And we're not going to leave you with just, you know, gloom and doom and this is the end. I promise you that by the time we're done, we will will restore your faith. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But this gloom and doom is reality. So go ahead, because I have a question later on. Well, um, let, let's go ahead and finish this structure, and then we can get, fill it in with our, with our personal experiences around these things. Because uh, one of the things we've discovered is we can calm our nervous system down. We can calm the, ener- the bioenergetic system down with meditation and affirmative prayer and mindfulness, and, and we can reach a, a state of being in communion with true self, which is the self that's bigger that that then is the thinker that thinks the thoughts and just observes them you know that that's one of some of the steps people go through in meditation is to get to that experience but it's not the destination because you can't just live there in a material world that's why there's that Cohen that says before enlightenment chop wood carry water after enlightenment chop wood carry water but that experience changes you so it's great that we do mindfulness and meditation and yoga and all of the things that help us get in touch with our unity with all that is with that true self and that there's something bigger than the ego inside that's trying to protect itself so the, the place we can get to is this idea that Barbara Marks Hubbard came up with called Unique Self. And in her, her futuristic vision, she died in 2019, I believe it was, was April, so she's been gone a couple of years, but she spent her entire life looking at how we can move, one of her books was titled this, From Ego to Essence, um, where we we stop having the ego run the show, we don't kill the ego, but we put it in service to the soul or to the essence of who we are. And then the ego has its right 
little place. It knows what to do. It gives us the energy and the engine, the personality to, and the motivation to, to move through and get stuff done in the real world. And it's paying attention to the inner promptings, the good inner promptings that tell, you know, that say, this is what to do next. This is the step to take. So unique self is about, (coughs) excuse me, coming back out of meditation with that awareness of true self and coming back to the personality that we are complete with all of our idiosyncrasies, all of our our faults, our our strengths, our weaknesses, all the things that make us human, and all the things that that we've been through in our experiences, and getting to a place where we go, you know, I have some unique gifts. I can do something with what I've been through, with what my good inner promptings tell me to do and create, and I can move forward with courage and be my authentic self, my unique self, because nobody's like me in the entire world. And the world needs me. Reality needs my gifts. And if every person on the planet wakes up to that understanding, we will be doing what Barbara Marks Hubbard then called a unique self-symphony, where everyone is operating out of the joy of giving our our own gifts, our unique gifts, and from the place of creativity and play, getting to uh, getting to see what happens when we experiment with taking these risks that are uniquely ours to take. Like for example, you two ladies, you took a unique risk in starting up. Viva Moms After Dark, and in starting up uh, Viva uh, uh, Con Leche, you know, Cafe Con Leche, and the, the shows that you two have been doing, and the, you've moved away from conventional life in your trajectories to become more uniquely you. And through the, your shows and through your lives and your work and your, your freedom to be authentically you and give your unique gifts, you are taking unique risks that are only yours to take. And being awake and aware and contributing even when you're tired. Notice that you had more energy once you got the show rolling. Right? Did you start to feel more awake? Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And why is that? You are in alignment with your inner being, taking your unique risk moment by moment through your unique gifts and your unique self, your unique expression. And that brings you alive. And I, I love me. I've got to, I, I've, I want to jump in here and, and give an example of that because when I was going through my really bad depression, um, and it was and it was lasted like six months long, and I remember that I just had just enough energy sometimes to get myself out of bed. I was still teaching at that time. Um, thank God I was only working part time, but I would get up and I would have to teach a four hour class. And I loved teaching, like I still to this day love teaching, and I love the subject matter. And but I remember I would 
so let's say my my class was at one o'clock, you know, like one or I'm sorry, one thirty to five thirty. So um, I had a half hour drive, and I would I would be in bed most of the morning because I just couldn't get out of bed. Um, I would be crying most of the time. I'd get I'd manage to pull myself out of bed, get myself dressed. Um, I would cry the thirty minute drive to work. I'd walk in to the faculty room. I would I would put my stuff down, go into the bathroom, splash water on my face, try to make myself look presentable. And I would get into the classroom and all of a sudden all my problems were were not there anymore. I would mm-hmm. teach I would teach as if nothing was wrong with me. And if anybody would see that, people would say, Oh well she can't be she's not depressed. That's all made up because when she's teaching she's fine. It was my escape. I would be in another place, like another realm. And and I wouldn't want to take the break because we'd have four-hour class. We have to take a break every, every like, hour and a half to take a break. I didn't want to take the break because in that 10 minutes or 15 minutes, I would go back down to that depressed state. And that's why I didn't like to take the break. So sometimes I would be keeping them and they'd be, like, dying. The, the students, they'd be like, can we take a break now? I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know. And I would finish class. People would come up. They'd ask me questions. I was fine. The minute I left the classroom, got my stuff, got back in the car, I would start crying all over again, cry the whole entire ride home, get back into, the, into my house, do the minimum that I needed to do with, with my kids, get back into bed, and that, would be, and that was my life for, for weeks at a time. And I was so grateful for the, the teaching because those those were the moments that the real me was present, and yep. and now I mean and I always know I was always aware of that, but hearing you say that really, made, you know, like really put it in perspective for me of how how true that statement is that you made. So, when you were not teaching, it gave you the opportunity for your mind to go back to the stories that you were telling yourself over and over again that made you so sad. Yes, absolutely. See, see, you got out of, you got your, you got those stories out of your way long enough to teach and then your inner being was happy and free and doing the thing you loved. And then as soon as you were done, you were back to having to face those inner stories that you were telling again because there's this wonderful diagram. You you guys know a little bit of math, right? I know it's almost midnight, but a little let's bit. do math. Just imagine for a second two circles that overlap. That's called a Venn diagram in math. And we're not going to actually do any numbers. Okay, so I just want you to picture these two overlapping circles. And on one circle is called the set of all uh, of the things that you can measure, quantify, observe. <coughs> Excuse me. We'll call that circle what is. The set of what is. The facts, man. Just the facts over there. And the, the other circle is the cer- circle that is all of your interpretations about what is. All the stories you tell yourself about what is. But in the place where those two circles, those two sets overlap, there are stories that you made up that, you, that your, are your interpretations about all the things that have happened 
that you made them mean something about who you are and what's possible for you. And in that place where the, the what is and the stories overlap, you took all those things inside that little area as true. And as long as we keep going over the puzzle of, but I think that I really am a bad person because I did thus and such, or he or she said that to me or treated me this way, or, you know, we do these games with our heads to try to figure out why bad things have happened or why we did supposedly bad things. Now, sometimes maybe they are, but, you know, why did we get triggered and, and do a bad thing? And, and we forget that it's our interpretations and how we think and feel about what happened that is driving our behavior, including towards how we treat ourselves. So you were treating yourself kind of badly. You, it, you'd go in there and you'd teach and you'd be like, oh, this is great and I, I feel good. And, and before and after class, you're beating yourself up with those thoughts and those stories because you right. treated them as true. Right. And so a great tool when you're depressed or when you have, you know, the you're on the, the gerbil wheel of self-flagellation over all the bad things, pull out those two circles, look at what's in the, the place where they overlap and see, is this thing I'm thinking really even true? And is it if 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 it is true, is it where I want to put my attention? Because the minute you took your attention off of those things and you put your attention on what you loved, you felt better. Right. Well this is this is my turn to jump in there because um so much of my life has been very unconventional. And I have never fit the um, things I was told in our culture that I needed to be or didn't fit very well um, in order to be um, the sort of cookie-cutter version of what society has accepted as, or has told you that you need in order to be okay and to be a successful person. So for me, one of the, the things that I have learned is that my life has provided me with very unconventional training. <laughs> and things in my life have shown up um to show me the places where I've had beliefs that weren't true about myself um, in order to pass on these skills (laughs) to others um, so that everybody gets to be exactly who they really are and let go of all of the stories and beliefs that we've either internalized or inherited or created ourselves based on what we thought we should be in order to be okay and be acceptable and be loved. 
And that's the key operative word here. We've all tried to adapt to a culture that has told us that we're not enough and that there isn't enough so that we could survive to be able to try to mold ourselves to what we've been told we should be without ever having the freedom to really acknowledge who we are. Which, in my belief system, and it's not even just my belief system, my lived experience has been that I am love. And that is the whole point, that any of this exists, is to remind us that, A, we are incarnations of love, and B, we are conscious of the fact that we are incarnations of love while we have adaptations to live in a material reality, which is what culture is, which is what any belief system is. So my experience has been very geared towards remembering that all of the things that I've been through haven't actually been about me, (laughs) but have been all road signs to get me to look back at the, the, the love that I am and express myself from that place instead of from all the beliefs that I carried about not being enough that came from our culture that aren't actually true. They never were true. But the the way out of all of that belief system has been to remember that I am loved and loved and I am enough. And when I fall into the, the pitfalls of those patterns of thinking again, I can look at them and go, oh, I'm doing that because this other thing happened and it made this trigger come up where I have to look at it going, oh, that's not actually me. Cool. Uh, do I want to keep using that? <laughs> does it work? Does, is it, does it feel good? Is it even true? And every time I can remember, oh, yeah, it's not, it's so much easier to get back into uh, being myself and not taking all of it so personally. But you know what, Social you are at a level that most people are not because I'm convinced that the main cause of depression in our society is not a chemical imbalance. You know, that's that's what we're taught. I mean, that's what I was taught in school is that depression is a chemical imbalance combined with a triggering event and a genetic predisposition. And being an individual who's suffered from depression... Um, or, or I'm sorry, lived with depression. I don't like saying suffered. Um, but also knowing so many people who've lived with depression and have tried medications and the medications don't work or they don't work completely. It's, it's not as cut and dry as a chemical imbalance. I've, no. I've come to the conclusion that I believe that most people suffer depression or live with depression because they are not honoring who they really are. They are not letting themselves yeah. be their and and they keep fighting that piece of it. They want to be, but they don't know how to be, or they're afraid to be because 
this is not accepted or that's not accepted. And once they can, right. once they can let that go and say, you know what, I am just going to be um, unapologetically me, authentically me. I don't give a crap what other people think. The moment they they take charge that way, it's very freeing, and they let go, and the depression goes away. Now, does does it yeah. come back? I mean. It it always is. I mean, it's a tricky little fucker. I mean, it really is. It's like it your your self worth is always being tested, and you will question yourself. But it is all that. It's it's all your own story, and it, and the story is based on how we were raised and and society and all that stuff. So to to free ourselves from that, it it takes a much um, you have to you have to go above and beyond what you don't know. And, you know, for your unconventional, you know, the way you were raised, it's, it's allowed you to look at things from a different perspective and, and understand from a different perspective. But it's still, but because the society, the way it is, it's so collective, it still could infect, you know, even an individual like you that's been raised differently. Because it's yeah. that kind of, oh, you know, this is how you're supposed to be. Well, right. And and that's this is where I have to be really clear that I have dealt with a fair amount of depression myself. Um, and part of that was recognizing that I have this very different perspective that most people don't... Um, couldn't even hear much less recognize um, because it was just too out of their lived experience and like it's like speaking a different language <laughs> right. I, I see this over here this way and um, c- couldn't really communicate it to anybody else um, very often unless it's like a a word that was a message that was passed on a sheet of paper um, to a bunch of friends. And the quote goes like this, words like fire burn all those around, except in the case when those around you are like yourself. (laughs) And the, that has a lot of truth. Yeah. Because um, the, it, it's been very uncomfortable for me to um, own my own experience and perspective in a world that has told me I'm wrong for having, A, a different perspective, and B, um, being so darn compassionate that uh, people don't don't know how to deal with me <laughs> because that's uncomfortable that's a scary thing when people are confronted with that much compassion and unconditional love right off the bat people don't know what to do with me because Correct. of who i am <laughs> i don't so fit i'm going to box right and so i'm going to jump in and just kind of you know because i know that we're about out of time and i just want to say that this is the work we do is that we actually teach skills and practices for people to reach the point where we are that 
resourceful is that I am. And it doesn't mean that we never have anything trigger us. But we have tools. No. We have practices. And, and we, we know how to move through emotions where we would otherwise get stuck. And we teach that. So if you want to know more about us, please just visit us at transformationroadtrip.com. Send a message through our contact us form and uh, join our, our email list and, because more good things directly. are coming. Yeah. So um, the, there's a phone number. You know, you can, you can reach us there, transformationroadtrip.com. And thank you both for hosting this show. It's clear that you guys are doing a lot of great work bringing on guests and having transformative conversation that people can just relax and be part of and grow. So thank you both, Margarita, Lori, for what no, you're doing. No, thank you. No, thank you. I, I found this very interesting. Um, but, yeah, that that's, um, triggers are always going to happen. I appreciate that. What is your daughter's name? So to So to what does that mean? Oh, it means flower in English or something precious. Oh, that's beautiful. That's, yeah, it comes from beautiful. the Aztec language. Yeah, that was my next question. I am a spiritual and creative healing life coach and a sacred healer. And I grew up in spirituality. I grew up. Uh, talking with my ancestors. I still walk with them. They walk with me. They visit. We chat. Um, and I I am magically orgasmic. And that's what I say. Be magically orgasmic. I am that person that my son will still remind me how I used to embarrass him when he was young because I'm just so not your normal person. And that insight came at an early age. And when you were speaking about compassion, um, in my book, when I write about my rape, when I write about just the pains of life growing up without a warm hug, I always end it with, because I love me. So, um, when I tell stories, people are like, well, how do you act like it's nothing? Because I love me. And I things that happen to me don't belong to me. I, I suffered in the interim of it, but it's not something that I held on to. It's not something that still puts roadblocks for me. And compassion, I'm a very passionate person. I'm that roaming gypsy, that free spirit. I'm the one who has foot in the mouth syndrome because I stand my ground in my belief. So, yeah, we all get those seasonal sadness here and there. Um, And I think, uh, I don't know if you were listening to the Badass Buddha and I conversation in the beginning about just sitting with it, allowing it, accepting it, acknowledging it first accepting it and then letting it go and not mm-hmm. not falling for the okie doke of what society wants you to do you know i think i dance to the mm-hmm. beat of my conga and do i do i fall yes i fall i can fall seven times but i rise like the phoenix on the eighth and this conversation was very important don't you agree badass i mean it it touched a lot of stuff that it, it's really intriguing to me because these are the conversations that i love so I yeah. thank both of you for being on. Well, thank you. We've we've barely scratched the surface. Uh, I know there's so much more, but needs to be yeah. the deeper, especially now. Um, we, you know the 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 world is crazy. It really is. It's it's there's a lot of very negative energy, and 
these are the conversations that absolutely are necessary, and they have to happen yep. often. They have to happen in, in great detail, and people, because a lot of people are very lost, and th- that energy is palpable, even for those that aren't so lost, you know, you feel it because it pulls you down if you're not careful, if you're not grounding yourself properly, if you're not protecting yourself properly. And um, social I wanted to say that, and I was thinking about this the last time when we were on um, the, the Zoom meeting that we had, well, the, the last one that was on a couple of weeks ago. I have gotten yeah. connected with 17-year-old because my 17-year-old has very, very bad depression, very uh, anxiety. She's low self-worth. And she's she's going through a, a, a stage of she she has no identity she has no friends she has not had friends in years and it's taken its toll on her you know when we're talking about that cooperation is required for survival cooperation consists of uh, community and it consists right. of uh, it consists of people connecting and you know we talk about kids getting bullied and people getting bullied. The worst type of bullying there is is to be ignored, and the, and that's yeah. where my, my 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 poor daughter in that sense. And uh, but I think you would give her such insight because that's what she struggles with is she doesn't feel like she fits in at all with society, and as a result, she doesn't she's not deserving of friends because people don't understand her. So yeah. I think it would be a combination like for you both to have a conversation and. You you give her some of that insight that you were sharing because she just she yeah, really please, the, and, yeah I think there's a whole yeah. group of of people especially young people that need to come together and find each other because I think there's a lot of lost souls out there and I, to see more of them we lose more of them to to things like suicide or drug addiction I just I can't stand by and let that happen anymore because. I, I want to see them connect. So I've been trying to consider, I've been putting, the idea of putting together some group, not therapy, but group uh, support systems for teens that feel like well, they don't fit in at all. And see, one of the things that yeah. we would, you know, we're going to be gear, gearing up to do is teach, we, we teach a course called Relationships for Conscious Living, and it teaches these skills that we're talking about, these practices that help people um figure out how to deal with being triggered and what to do when someone else is triggered and how to stop taking things personally, how to forgive, how to deal with negativity, all of it, and how to develop spiritual partnership where you can be a loving witness to someone else and they can be the same for you and you can have the freedom emotionally to work through whatever it is that's going on and be accepted all the ways you are and all the ways you're not in a safe place. So yeah. those are well, things we're going to be, be more of. <laughs> right. Well, that's just it. And so one of the things I realize is that we need to be teaching these skills, uh, Sochville and I both do, to many groups So uh, and passing these on so that they can be used in all the groups that are, are forming because they're that important for our survival as a species and for humanity's awakening, because, you know, this is all existing in consciousness. This isn't just, you know, the planet physically. It, it's, it's what our consciousness is experiencing together. Yeah. 
Right. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It's been and this this is a this is like a part one conversation. We we have to have that's right. Conversations. Yeah. So thank you so much. And try definitely out to to Joy Gypsies and check out. You know. you know, sign up, get some information. Uh, again, the it's transformationroadtrip.com, and then you can yeah. you can connect with them, and then they'll get back to you. That's right. Thank you Definitely. so much for having us. No, thank, thank you, you for saying my name correctly, Jackie. I don't know how that's Margarita. Yes, <laughs> Thank you guys for saying so correctly too. Yeah, I totally understand that because I I've taught my name all my life, and for good reason because it's so much more fun. And when I'm in Mexico, they call me Yaki, 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 Yaki. Yep, that's what they call me. I don't allow anybody to say my name incorrectly now. Even if you can't say Margarita, but you attempt it, then that's honoring me. And if you really can't say it, then call me Margie. But I feel that <laughs> that's my name. It was my paternal grandmother's name, and it is to be honored and respected. And people are there like, oh, go. what's the difference? There's a big difference for me. And you have to mm-hmm. – my name always enters a room before I do. So and if you can't yep. respect my name, what is that going to say about me? And so, you know, yeah, so people think I'm difficult, but no, I'm just, you know, I, I'm just proud of the name and what it means. It, and it's not, I'm not a drink, I'm a flower. See, Margarita. Yeah, my, I have an aunt and a cousin with um, the same name on my father's side. So um, it's a, also a name for me that's a family name and honoring where I come from and that whole that whole side of my my family and ancestry. So my name is really important to me. I totally understand the honoring and respect um when mm-hmm. someone calls your name. Um it does mean something. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It okay. does. But we got we we're going to have to have another whole chat. Yeah. I'm ha- are you going to be on our show because we got to get ready to cut off or we do be yeah, on we our do. show? We have to, we have to go. So, um, yeah. yeah, we're going to try to work it out because they're not morning people. That's why they came on to the morning oh. show. So, we'll fix- no, we're not. <laughs> yeah. We'll figure it out. Yeah, that's so just not going to happen. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks so much. Have a great weekend for the both Thank of you. Thank you. Yes, both ladies. You, you too. Buenas All right. noches. Take care. Buenas noches. <laughs> Adios. Gracias. Gracias. <laughs> so glad you did oh, tonight. It was a fabulous night. It was, uh, oh, we had some great conversations. Um, we want to thank our guests um, so much for coming on tonight. We want to thank uh, Jackie and Sochital for coming on. Um, it was an absolute pleasure. Lisa Potter for coming on tonight. We also want to make sure that we always thank our producer, Dory DiCarlo, yes. and Word of Mom Radio for having us on. And any last-minute words? We got we got one minute left, so any last-minute? My last words is great show, ladies. Great show. Yeah. I honor and respect Dory, 
who has her hands full right now, Badass Buddha, the guests, they were phenomenal. It was a phenomenal evening. Fabulous. So great. All right, everybody. So, you know, uh, tune in once a month to Viva Moms After Dark and on Word of Mom Radio and our morning show, Viva Cape Con Tuesdays and Thursdays on Facebook and YouTube. Um, and from the Badass Buddha, remember, be real and be extraordinary. And from the Gladiator Guru, mi gente, remember, breathe in the beauty and breathe out the bullshit. Namaste. Namaste, everyone. Have a beautiful weekend as we close out. Namaste. Take care, everybody. We love you. She is sure. She is sure. She is strong. She is strong. She is true. She is true. She is brave. She is brave. She is bold. She is bold. She is you. She is you. She is you. She is sure. She is sure.